Mesdames et Messieurs, Hello fans of Chuck Clastan, and welcome to another episode of Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello, how are you? I see, I see you through the plexiglass of the main media center here in Beijing. We are still in Beijing, but we are not in Beijing. That's right. We are, uh, hopefully have just made it home from the Paralympics, and today we are sleeping off the jet lag, so we are recording an episode early to uh, give you something new to listen to, and that would be our conversation with film buff Fran about our first movie club selection of the year, which is Eddie the Eagle, about the surprise sensation of the Calgary 1988 ski jumping competition, Eddie Edwards. Take a listen. Fran, welcome back. We are talking about Eddie the Eagle, movie about Eddie the Eagle Edwards from Calgary 1988, the famous or infamous British ski jumper who finished dead last in the competition. What do you got for us? The movie Eddie the Eagle was made back in 2015. So it's a fairly recent movie about the Calgary Olympics and an Olympian in that Olympics. And it stars Taryn Edgerton as Eddie. Uh, along with Hugh Jackman as his coach with some really <laughs> incredible co-stars, including Jim Broadbent and Christopher Walken. I nearly died when I saw Christopher Walken. I I didn't look in beforehand and <laughs> I was like, this is going to be a great one. I love Christopher Walken. But it really, it's a classic Olympic biopic and they start out with Eddie, um, whose real name is Michael, as a young boy, you know, and he's holding his breath underwater and he's trying to become the best at something because he has these dreams of becoming an Olympian. And he realizes early on in the movie that he really is not going to be getting very far. So then he switches gears and says, I'm going to be a winter Olympian. And he focuses on skiing and he tries to make the British Olympic ski team. And this is where the movie was kind of interesting because it kind of played the British Olympic officials as these upper crust, hoity-toity, better than thou folks who didn't want some kind of low end poor kid on the Olympic team. And that's how they portrayed it in the movie. And even though it seemed as if he had, as the movie progressed, that he had a good skill set, but it pitted him against the establishment. So then he was not allowed to partake in the British Olympic ski team. So he figured out a way to get into the Olympics. He wanted to be an Olympian at any cost. And so he decided to try ski jumping which, um, and according to the movie, he had never really participated in up to that point. So he hops a plane, goes to Germany, and all of a sudden we see him at this, you know, ski jumping facility, trying to learn how to ski jump, you know, never having pretty much researched it, really. And there he meets the typical, you know, all I thought about this movie was the all the tropes, the typical cast of, of, of characters, the, the happy waitress or owner of the bar that would love to help him out, the curmudgeon coach who he has to coax out of retirement 
to get him to the finish line. The other ski jumpers from Norway, who he was the butt of their jokes. So it had all the fun kind of things you look at in in this kind of in these kind of rags to riches or you know these kind of stories from the bottom to success. But I gotta say, it was a really infectiously good movie for me. I don't know. There was just something about it where the positivity and the willingness to give everything you can for something was just, he was very infectious, I thought. I I really enjoyed the character that Taron Edgerton brought to the screen. I don't know how close he was to the true Eddie the Eagle, but I really enjoyed Taron's performance. What do you guys think? Absolutely agree on Taron's performance. He was so charming in this movie. He also played Elton John in Rocket Man. And it was funny as I was getting ready to watch this movie, my daughter said, does he just do biopics? <laughs> and it's funny having watched both those films because there actually is some similarities to those two portrayals. There's a certain charisma. There's a certain outsider-ness mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. the way he played Elton John and this but he absolutely saved this movie for me mm-hmm. um, because it was kind of a cool runnings knockoff you didn't think that the Norwegians really made it for you I, I love the bad guys and why <laughs> in the world is Norway training in Germany, in Germany. Why is the Norwegian team training in Germany? Why does Hugh Jackman only have one shirt and no jacket? And why is an American who was cast out of the ski jumping universe in Germany in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> well, it's supposed to be Garmin Pardenkirchen, which is not the middle of nowhere. It is, okay. you know, a, a, a previous Olympic host city and is a, a training center. But Thank goodness for Taron Egerton in this film because he just was so charming. And And his mama too. I liked his mother. (laughs) Who I think actually those two characters from the the films that I watched, because I don't really remember this story, surprisingly enough. I mean, I sort of remember it, but I don't have a good firsthand memory of it. Both Jeanette and Michael Edwards were that charming. So that mm-hmm. was that was nice that the film got that right. But I, I don't know how much else they got right. I did a little research after I, I watched it first because I just wanted to see what they came up with. And I heard that it really wasn't a, a really, you know, truthful biopic. And and when I started doing some research, I was really disappointed. I mean, he didn't train in Germany. He trained in Lake Placid. And I was like, why don't they just show him training in Lake Placid then? Would, and you that would make sense with an American coach. <laughs> they wouldn't have the hot tub in the sauna with the Germans. But I don't know. That was just so odd. I'm like, did they just want to stay in Europe? I don't know. They really said that, you know, a lot of the coach was fictitious and he was kind of an amalgam of some other folks that did coach Eddie at some points. What I was struck with was the whole film, they were railing against, it was the good versus, not not so much good versus evil, but it was the establishment and the old Olympic guard versus 
an upstart who dared kind of mess with the system. Nobody just finds a weakness in the point system and the tallies and just gets to go to the Olympics. But he found that loophole where he said it in the movie that, you know, they never changed the the qualifications for being in the ski jump competition for almost 60 years. So he felt like the regulations weren't as stringent. So he felt like he could make the team. So he gave it his best shot. And that push to kind of just do the best that you can. And just being part of the Olympics was the main thrust. He knew he didn't have a chance to win, but just being there and being a part of it, that was what he was striving for. And the whole movie, it felt like the establishment was like, well, you don't deserve to be here, period. So you shouldn't be here. You know, let's make it as hard as possible. You know, and I don't, I I would hope to think that was not what the Olympics is truly about. Well, they did change the rules after him to get mm-hmm. rid of that loophole. And right. uh, although we've seen this happen in other sports, Pyeongchang with our ski half pipe, that they had to change the rules on that, to which I said to Ben today when we were watching it, I said, you know, we need to look at ski mountaineering because they don't have their stuff too. They don't really have much of a celebration. Maybe, maybe we could all go to Milan Cortina and compete. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so many inaccuracies about this movie and so many tropes that you wonder really what it you take a story that is very heartwarming and very much an inspirational story to be the best you can be and strive to be that olympic standard and make a lot of sacrifices to achieve a goal and even if that goal isn't being on top of the podium taking part is the most important thing as Pierre de Coubertin said uh-huh. but all of the stuff that was wrong about the mo- of, of, about the original story just takes away from that for me because uh-huh. I, I, I did love Eddie the Eagle Edwards uh-huh. I was so captivated by that story and the first time I saw this movie when it hit cable after it came out hated it because it was so bad and so wrong this time around pandemic brain has made me like really <laughs> movies so i enjoyed it a little bit more this time but i'm not saying it's a good movie at all you know what it really does do a nice showcase on ski jumping and just how incredibly <laughs> crazy it is i mean when you think about it these people risk their lives Even if you're the best in the world, there's no guarantees that you can get off the ski jump alive. So it's a really crazy death-defying sport to be in. And the fact that this guy decided, oh, well, that's how I'll make the Olympic team. I'll just go for that is pretty incredible that he even, you know, wanted to participate that way. Was he just a little kind of daft in the head or, you know? Well, and you know, you get off the 15 meter hill and you did one jump there. So you can move up to the 40 meter jump. And once you get one jump off of that, you can just move up to the big tower. (laughs) (laughs) And then be in the Olympics and never have done a 90 meter jump. No. And lands one. It has to be a total. Like when I saw that again in the movie, I'm like, there's no way you can just decide to, oh, hey, I'm gonna, you know, those days are long gone. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going to show up because I happened to be in Paris at the time and I <laughs> on the 100. You know? And you know what? I really wanted to look up 
like some footage from the Olympics because I would have loved to see what the fan reaction was. Like, was oh. that fan reaction like pretty much the way it happened? No. Okay. Yes and no, because he already had a following before he got to Calgary. It wasn't like this magical thing that happened. People showed up at the airport being fans of Eddie the Eagle, and he was really good at marketing himself and his story. Hmm. So the place was mobbed. Uh, they do have the 70 meter on YouTube. It's They cut to Jim McKay after a while. <laughs> <laughs> it is ABC coverage of 1988, and just everyone knew who he was beforehand before that mm -hmm. they were all cheering for him and he landed the first one and then it, again the the second jump was just incredible cheering but no none of this like none of this cheering and dancing around the the ski jump kind of like happy gilmore <laughs> well, that's a good comparison movie right there <laughs> but but no he did not do that crazy stuff <laughs> I thought a lost opportunity was the scene with Mati Nukkanen because Mati Nukkanen historically was quite a character himself. I mean, hmm. talk about larger than life. And then they sort of had him spouting these Yogi Berra, <laughs> you know, platitudes of nothingness with this accent where I don't know what country <laughs> they thought Mati Nukkanen was from. It was like, is he from Transylvania? Is he, I don't know what is happening there. But I thought that was something they could have done with more historical accuracy and actually come out with a better moment. Um, and I thought it was so weird. I'm like, there was be no way in a competition where the worst performer would be coming up after the best one. You know what I mean? So why would they even be on the elevator together? I don't know. I don't know how the jumps, the first jump is. Or do they just draw straws and that's how you go up the the mountain? No, I think they've contrived that little bit. Unless right, right. Go to the, the main part together because their numbers were so far apart. I think Eddie was 24 and Madi was like 49. So they would have gone in number order for the first jump. Mm -hmm. And then the second jump, they would have gone Maybe they were a little bit closer, but I can't. I, I would have thought that it would be the worst jump first and the last jump, the best jump last. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But they certainly could have easily been in the locker room together. I didn't mind the contrived meeting. I felt like if you're going to bother to contrive this meeting between a legend mm -hmm. and sort of an infamous legend, let's make it a little better. Though I did the line where they have Mati Nukkanen say, if I wasn't doing this, I'd just be drinking and chasing women. <laughs> because that was his reputation of being kind of a, a wild man. So they had that's what I mean. They had pieces right, of Nukkanen. Right. And then they kind of squandered it. Yeah. I had a hard time believing that Nukkanen didn't know who Edwards was. I mean, honestly... He did not start ski jumping in November of 1987 right, or right. getting to February 1988 for Calgary, you know, a few months later. So obviously you've got a, I think he was ski jumped for a couple of years at least or a year beforehand. And so he's going to be on the circuit and at some point, Monty Nukunen will, the ski jumping world is not that big. Mm -hmm. it, it, like it, 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 you'll know who each other is. Yeah. From the research I did, they said that 
roughly, he was practicing ski jumping for a couple of years before Calgary, and he was on the European circuit. So he would have known, you know, all these guys. I don't know how they would have treated him, but he was around the block. And I was wondering, too, when they actually got to the Olympics, how true was the story that he missed the opening ceremony? Not true at all. Ugh. Not true at all. Then why put it in? I mean, it's just kind of silly. This is what frustrated me with this movie and Cool Runnings, actually, which we haven't talked about on the show, is the actual story is so clever and interesting and dimensional. Why are we boiling it down to the training montage and the drunk coach when you've got reality that is actually quite charming? He marched in the opening ceremony. He took it extremely seriously. Mm -hmm. He didn't think of himself as a novelty jumper or as a novelty act. He took it seriously. I think that would have been a better movie. And he marched to the beat of his own drum so much so that he's going to fall to peer pressure to drink for the first time and do shots. Like, no, I, I really I had a horrible time buying that. And it really showed how the writers struggled to find the enemy of the storm mm. overcome when uh, I don't know really what the British Olympic Association thought of him at the time. I I don't remember that part of the story. I'm sure they weren't thrilled, but maybe they were because it certainly brought a lot of attention to them and to their country. Mm -hmm. Winter games where they aren't known to be strong competitors. So that may have helped in a way, at least for a while. And just to have this weird random enemy that, just because we have to hit these high points. It was like somebody who was in charge of production or at the studio who was in charge of this movie said, no, my script writing book says we have to do this here and we have to have five montages and I can get the Hall of Notes song for cheap. And we'll do so music because it's the 80s and all of these weird things. And then you go, I spent a lot of time thinking about how did Eddie's mom get the I'm Eddie's mom Knitted sweater so quickly. And the dad. How did he get the sweater so quickly? And we never saw her knitting. Like that's again a lost opportunity. Why when she's on the phone with him? Because he he did the, the part about him stealing the truck is actually true. That he took the family van. But you know, she has nowhere to go, so she's got to knit. I mean, it's such an easy call. And then the father being so anti. His dream was just, it was so tired. I could see it in the beginning, but as he, if you could see it from the portrayal, like he was so determined, you know, at some point, wouldn't you just say, you know, we're behind you, go for it, do your best, you know, instead of being so anti the whole time, except for the end after he proves himself (laughs) and then he wears the sweater. (laughs) Suddenly, I'm so proud of you. You know what was not tired? was the brilliant use of the Frankie Goes to Hollywood Two Tribes. <laughs> that was some brilliant use of music. So it's when he, I guess it's when he's doing his first 70 meter jump and they play that. That was some nice use of <laughs> 80s clever music. I liked that a lot. What I found really funny too was when he was already at the Olympics 
and then he did the 70 meter and then he decides to do the 90 and then all of a sudden Hugh Jackman is in Calgary like he just shows up and I was just like come on really really honestly this is where we're at in this movie and suddenly he had a coat so yeah and, and actually he wore a coat this time because it's more cold in calgary than it is in germany but it's just i don't know i mean please i i love you jackman he can play any role i will watch the movie i was just like come on you the writers could have done so much better with the coach come on the opposite of my two tribes ski jumping moment was when they first show Hugh Jackman attempting a ski jump and he flicks the cigarette <laughs> out of his I thought he was going to use his cigar from Wolverine <laughs> I was waiting for the cigar moment <laughs> was this about the same time because every time he looked like when he was doing there was a few shots of him like looking in a mirror or looking in a window and I'm like why is Wolverine in the snow <laughs> he looked very Wolverine in this movie. Yes. <laughs> so that was kind of distracting. Yeah, it just it, it only really worked just because of the just that energy that Taron Edgerton had. He had me through this whole I mean, we it was so funny. My husband was in the room when it started and he wasn't planning on watching it, but he got absorbed, you know, in it. And by the end, when he succeeds and at the 90 meter competition, he actually lands his jump. You can't help but root for him. I mean, he did what he came there to do. He was, it was such a positive moment for him, regardless of how crazy it was. You couldn't help be really happy and positive. And I mean, I was like crying tears of joy. I was just like, this is great. I'm so happy for him. You know, and it's funny because I really thought, like you, Allison, I really couldn't remember how much publicity and how much press there was around Eddie the Eagle. I, re I definitely remember him being said, and, and we probably watched it during we were watching the Olympics back then, but I thought for certain he ended up competing in another Olympics. And then when I did my research, I was really shocked to hear that they had changed the requirements purposely to bar folks that really weren't at the top of their game from participating. So on the one hand, you know, I got to applaud the Olympic Committee for looking out for people's safety because it, it really is such a, a an amazing sport. You really have to know what you're doing. And even if you do know what you're doing, you could still get really hurt. But on the flip side, I was like, oh, well, you know, you won't have an Eddie the Eagle just trying to do his best regardless of what country. And I thought at the Olympics, there was other sports and I couldn't really remember what, but there have been times when the commentators have said this person or that person is coming to the Olympics to represent their country. They have no thought of taking home a medal. They are just here because they made it and they did their best and they want to, they want to propel their country and be part of the Olympics. And with that ruling, it kind of takes away that ability. Some sports do have continental quotas or places for underrepresented countries to get slots. Mm -hmm. Ski jumping is not that sport. <laughs> right. No, it's no. just too dangerous. It's too dangerous. They've done it. In, in some ways in bobsled and in, in some of the sliding sports and that backfired in various times. That's a place for cross-country skiing 
and right. running and swimming. Mm-hmm. You know, sports that you want you want to expand winter sports. You want people from countries that are underrepresented to compete. We don't want anyone to die. Mm-hmm. So, and there are sports that will not kill you. So right. let's do the expansion in other ways. But it almost felt like it was a personal vendetta in this movie. And I don't necessarily think that's probably the reasoning. Who knows? It it just felt very personal, like they were purposely trying to bar this kid from going to where he wanted to go. You know, and it felt like they, they were using the British team as basically the evil guy who was standing in his way of fulfilling his dream. Right. And the reason they barred him is because he wore really thick glasses and <laughs> you know, was a little klutzy on the carpet ski right. mountain that they had in Britain at the time. Mm-hmm. But how <laughs> charming was Jim Broadbent as the announcer? <laughs> he was great. He was like the best OBS announcers that we loved from Tokyo. And I hope show back up for Beijing. Can we get Jim Broadbent on the call? That was lovely. <laughs> And walking, come on, walking legend. This was like, oh, he needed a payday. You know, I really forgot that he was in the movie, and I thought <laughs> he's in the book. He's on this book cover. <laughs> Wouldn't it be hilarious if he just never showed up? And then, unfortunately, I looked up to see if he really was a real person, and he was completely fabricated too. I'm like, you couldn't bring out real ski jump personalities for this movie do a little research nothing we got we got nothing (laughs) i wonder if the story the real story was so complicated geographically like he spent time in lake placid Mm -hmm. time in finland he ended up working and sleeping in a finnish uh, asylum hospital Mm -hmm. and that to me is really compelling compared to the oh i got a job working in the ski jump bar which is always crowded for some reason (laughs) so many people ski jumping and Um, i had to give some personal favors to the owner of the the bar to stay there which was really creepy (laughs) it's like we have to have a woman in this movie oh let's make her the charming waitress with a heart of gold like come on Yeah. And I also, I know, Allison, you touched on this, but I I had in my notes, I said, I don't understand Hugh's character not wearing a coat. (laughs) (laughs) What was the point of that? And it's not like he was in an outfit that showed the Hugh Jackman rippling muscles. No. Okay. If we're going to put him like in a tight turtleneck (laughs) or something, then I could say, okay, we're trying to appeal to the sex appeal here. But it was just like this schlocky flannel. (laughs) No, but I think the sex appeal was the Norwegian ski jumpers in the sauna. <laughs> that was terrifying. Scene. With the strategically placed items to hide their nakedness from the camera. <laughs> I was so horrified. And I am not someone to be horrified by nudity, but that was just so out of place in this. And film. how did he have his bathing suit with him? Did he think he'd really need a bathing suit in Germany? <laughs> I'm packing my entire clothes and going to Germany to learn to ski jump. Maybe and I'll need my bathing suit. <laughs> oh, I brought my skis with me, but they're obviously the wrong skis. Something. So I'm going to go into a store and be able to just do a trade for new equipment. How does that work? Come on, just 
every like almost every minute you're going is this really <laughs> and we really? go to the lost and found <laughs> like and people have lost entire ski suits right? <laughs> you go to the sauna and you forget <laughs> I, this whole movie just felt like a lost opportunity. Mm-hmm. Really fun. They probably had a ball making it. They probably had a really fun time. And, you know, I think that, and I think I read somewhere where they said that the writers, they wanted to just kind of stress just the positive energy that Eddie had and his undying kind of dedication to fulfill his dream you know and they wanted to capture that but they kind of dropped the ball on everything else <laughs> but they did i think they did succeed in that and i think that oh, was definitely the taron it was all up to it was it, all taron edgerton yeah okay couple things i want to point out one we did get a what were their names hitty and howdy or heidi and hody oh, oh yeah the mascots for calgary appearance from them <laughs> Some really great moments from the opening ceremonies, like the neon clad horse riders. Yes. That was fantastic. And I do want to say, because I have mentioned many times on the show, my desire to try ski jumping. (laughs) This has not dampened my enthusiasm. In fact, I'm going to go buy my pack of cigarettes and go practice (laughs) the flick so that as I'm coming down my little 15 meter jump, I'm just going to flick it right at Jill, who will be taking the film. Next to the takeoff. <laughs> that would be wonderful. I've never smoked in my life, but I'm going to learn how to do the Hugh Jackman cigarette. Flip. You get right the, the right spot and it just bursts. And it just bursts into flames for some reason. And I do want yeah, the this, flask waiting for me at the bottom. Yeah, this movie did not make me have any desire to learn how to ski jump whatsoever. Maybe go into a sauna with some Norwegians, but <laughs> besides that, not any desire to try that <laughs> whatsoever. I, I, I got no other words. This was not like I said. It's a good movie to watch when you're when your brain just doesn't want to think. But it's really not. A, it means it was a feel good movie, you know. So if you just wanted to waste some time on a really freezing cold day like it was yesterday here in Connecticut. And, and you just wanted to kind of cozy up on the couch and watch something that just made you feel good. This was a good one to choose. <laughs> and despite the sauna scene, it is a family film, surprisingly yes. enough, because everything yes. is, it, it's played for Everything's laughs, PG. So it's, yes, it's, everything's it's very PG. Easy. A lot of milk. And, and a lot of a, milk. And a lot of milk. And all I could think of though, Allison, is if they're allowing me to review Eddie the Eagle, then come on, cutting edge, it's coming. We got to do cutting edge. Come on, girls. <laughs> this is again along the lines of gold, not very factual. And many of the facts are there was an Olympics <laughs> in Calgary, and it did have a British ski jumper named Eddie the Eagle Edwards. And he did participate in both the 70 meter and the 90 meter. All these facts are coming up with them. Here's the facts. Oh, man. So he did ski there. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought it was really cute that they did hone in on the the fact that at the end, when the host of the Olympics actually pointed him out in his farewell speech, you know, you could fly like an eagle. I thought that was very poignant because it just shows you, you can go home without a medal, 
but it was special to everybody that was there, you know, not just the medalists. And I, and I think that was what they were trying to get across. It's not how well you do. It's just doing your best and reaching what, just reaching for the stars and getting there, you know, in your eyes. And and that really shows, all, that moment I also liked because it also showed how much of a story and how important Eddie the Eagle Edwards was in the Calgary games. And it was such a games of the underdog because you also had the cool running story going on. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of underdog feeling, a lot of take part, and that's what's important. And I still think that's a big part of the games. Mm-hmm. All right, Fran, thank you so much for this. <laughs> Good movie for a cold day when you don't want to think. Yep. Anything with Taryn Edgerton and you, Jackman, we're on board. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What do we have next time? So next up, we have the movie One Light, One World, which is the official 1992 Albertville Olympic movie. So we will actually be doing a complete 180 and doing a really awesome factual Olympics movie. So I can't wait to see what her reaction is to this one. (laughs) Excellent, Fran. (laughs) Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. Thank you so much, Fran. So, I mean, what would you tell future Allison? (laughs) What would you think future Allison would say about your time in Beijing? I, I think future Allison is going to be very upset about all the various snacks that I tried. (laughs) because current Allison is already wondering why I keep trying things with labels I can't read (laughs) because so far that has not ended well for me really oh well you have his tea that did not taste I've had two different teas that were not good you know I, 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 I tried the um the oatmeal bar yeah that's not good it's dry the oatmeal oatmeal stick it's dry. Yeah, it's not good. I tried the sea salt cheese crackers. No? No. Oh, that, that I think is one of my favorites of the bunch. I tried the sesame cracker. I basically tried everything on the media center table today. Mm-hmm. I was bored for a little while. Did you try the brined egg? That I've not been brave enough to try. Future Allison probably did break down <laughs> and try it, and she was probably sorry. If it plays out at the Paralympics like it was at the Olympics, different venues will have different options in your snacks. So there are little mini loaves of bread. (laughs) There are little toasts with sweet, like frosting on them a little bit, with little sweetness. There are other crackers. There are kind of like ricey crackers that are very light and airy. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully you'll find a snack that you enjoy. So I hope future Allison is having some popcorn. Laying in bed, rewatching Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> okay, well, well, let's let future Allison do that. I think future Jill will not be rewatching Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> it was very hard to get her to watch a second time. You are so I cannot tell you how lucky you are that the pandemic has made my brain just be cool with not so great movies. And this wasn't even a solid two or two and a half star. This was like a one and a half star movie. Well, hopefully, future. <laughs> hopefully, future Allison is not in a Chinese prison for trying to go down the ski jump. <laughs> 
and flick a cigarette off the end of it as I attempt the the large hill here in Beijing. Well, you can't do that because you have to go down like the 40 meter hill first once and they don't have one of those here that I have seen. I am Allison and I fear nothing. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Next week, we are going to have a contributor roundtable about our time in Beijing. So uh, send us whatever questions you have about these games or what the closed loop was like. Post them up in our Keep the Flame Alive Facebook group or hit us up on Twitter or Insta at FlameAlivePod. You can also email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com or call or text us at 208-352-6348. That's 208-FLAMEIT. So we will catch you back here next week with the lowdown on what Beijing was like. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive.